From Bentonville, the epicenter of retail's hometown, it's the Supplier Community Podcast, giving you 24-7 access to a community of emerging and experienced thought leaders in the retail space. Enjoy the show. Thank you for joining us, everyone. For today's episode, we're hopping in the Wayback Machine to share with you one of our most viewed YouTube videos. Fast Start was our very first event at Record, and Rochelle Milam is an accomplished Retail Link practitioner and educator. She's currently employed as a data analyst at Wabata. Rochelle shared an hour of her life with us in November 2017 to explain the basics of Retail Link to our audience. Now, whether you're new to the supplier world or not, this information is extremely pertinent. Even if you're not on the data side, this presentation will give you a real-world understanding of that space. It'll inform your conversations with your colleagues and even feed your empathy with their plight. Make no mistake, Retail Link is a beast that eats the Sundays and Mondays of a lot of people in your orbit. So here's Rochelle with your Retail Link overview. I've been using Retail Link since 1997. For those of you doing the math, I was 12. Um, and I started, I started that, uh, it was not an internet-based application. It actually was software-based and it lived on a computer um, that was probably about as big as that little table. Um, and then it was a secondary machine and we dialed up for updates once a week. It was not real-time, every day, all the time, updates like we had. Um, anybody been in Retailing today? Yeah, so, Retailing is cranky right now, I think. Yeah, from what I understand, it is. She's having a day, um, which is part and parcel, I think, just to, to the application. Um, who has not seen Retailing and is just dying to see what it looks like? Just, you just, come on, somebody. One, 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 thank you, thank you for humoring me. Um, so, to, so that's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna walk you through just a little bit of navigation, some of the tools that are there, uh, just some of the things that are available to you to get to in case you've not used Retailink and, and you would like to, and then I'll walk you through building a query. So that, this is just, this is the, the legalese that just says I'm not Retailink, I'm not gonna log into Retailink, I'm not breaking the Retailink rules or laws. Um, because if I do, then they will come and claim my firstborn, and uh, nobody wants her. So we'll start with the navigation. Um, when, when you log into RetailLink, it prompts you for your user ID and password, and actually this, this screen is now dated. About a month ago, they changed that. Um, and the, the user ID is unique to the user, and the password changes, it, it prompts you to change it about every 45 days. Um, and they want a character, and an uppercase, and a lowercase, and a gang sign, and you know, just all kinds of crazy stuff. Um, I encourage people to know who their site administrator is. If there are issues with getting in, if you need help changing your password, if you don't have the access that you think that you need, um, the site admin is the person that actually manages all of those things. So here she is. Um, I use Google Chrome. I, I don't know. Anybody use Internet Explorer? Does it still does it look like this, or is it still the old version? Anybody know? Old version still. Um, so all my stuff is in Google Chrome. Uh, it, it's 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 different than it was uh, previously, and I wish I had something to share with you. Um, I'm walking you through a little bit of what we have, and it looks like we've got some animation. So we'll start with um, the link here at the top for applications. There are really kind of two main buckets of things within Retailing, right? There are applications, or those things that I put data into or get data out of, something I'm gonna interact with, something I could potentially break, um, and then documents. So. Um, manuals, guides, reference materials, templates, that kind of thing. The applications here, um, you can see, are, are laid out, and 
If they're laid out initially alphabetically, I can go in and change them uh, to be categorized. Um, doc documents, which looks the same. There's my categories. All right, so if I am looking for something that's related to logistics, instead of just trying to look through the five million things that are available to me on the screen, I could filter the screen down to just logistics and thereby kind of lessen the amount of stuff I have to sort and sift through. Um, next to that, what is, what, what is this called? That's the feeds. So, um, formerly news, this would be anything that's pertinent. So, there's source closing or relocating or um, how they handled the hurricane information um, or if there are issues with retailing at the moment, uh, which it seems to be more often than not these days. Uh, business at a glance. In this business at a glance, I wish that I had... Um, the long stretchy arms, but this corresponds with, you see the little bar chart kind of in the middle of my screen there? Um, the business at a glance corresponds with that, and uh, this is where actually I can go in and set it up. There's a little edit link, and I'll walk you through a little fun Walmart terminology. So uh, I can go in and, and select edit here at that, at that screen, which brings up a new window. And in that window, you'll see kind of below the bottom half of the screen, there's, um, there's the content, the division, and the country. So for me, in this instance, I did merchandising and Walmart and the US. Um, there is, for F FYI, there's no place within Retail Link where you can report on Walmart and Sam's together. Um, they, are not, they are not besties, contrary to popular belief. So there's, there's, their systems are actually completely different. So you wouldn't see that here. Um, so I selected U.S., and then I can filter that down um, by department, by buyer. If I have multiple vendor numbers, I could do it there. I always recommend that I have multiple views, right? So many companies don't just sell to one buyer, or they don't just sell in one department. And the intent of business at a glance is just that, so that I can get a top-line view very quickly of how my business is performing in the event that I just need to know. Somebody calls and I've got to, I've got to get a, a pulse on my business. So I always recommend that we have a top-line view, which is everything that we do. And then if you sell to multiple departments and or multiple buyers, I recommend that you do an additional view uh, to lay out those, those specifics. Um, so I can, I can select those in those bottom three drop-down boxes, and then it's the time range selection, right? So I can do year-to-date, I can do last week, um, what are, I can't even hardly see. Uh, last week I can do week-to-date, um, week-to-date comp. Okay, somebody, here, somebody tell me, what are comp stores? Now I'm really stubborn for anybody who knows. What's that? Um, yes, actually, there, well, there's a couple of different types of comp stores, and, and in, this, in this example of comp, there's five, there's five criteria for a comp store. So a comp store has to have been open for an entire year. It has to have not remodeled. Who's walked into their Walmart and holy crap, now the pharmacy's right in the middle of the store, right? Um, so remodels fall off of that. Relocation stores, Walmart has a propensity to love that piece of property across the street and they scoop it up and build a new building and just move everything over there. Relos fall off. Um, expansion stores, who's been into one of the Division One stores? I lovingly call those the ghetto stores. Yeah, the little bitty, little small town stores. So Walmart has spent a lot of time and effort and money in the past several years to expand those stores into super centers. So expansion stores fall off my comp store list. And then Walmart manages what they call an impacted store list. Impacted stores. Who knows impacted stores? Impacted stores? Um, it's those stores whose sales have been impacted by another store opening within the chain. And um, the rule of thumb is it's a five mile radius. 
right? So when 5260 opened, and those of you who are local know which one I'm talking about, um, store one went on the impacted store list, right? All right, so those are my comp stores, and that'd be my organic growth. If Walmart did nothing different than what they've been doing for the last year, that's my number. Investors care about it. I tend to put it on my weekly recaps because it's politically correct, um, though as a salesperson, we all tend to like that all store number because it's just a little bit better. Um, so comp, week to date comp, last week, week to date comp, and then I've got a yesterday metric, a yesterday time range. So yesterday relates to a calendar day and not a calendar date, right? So um, right now today, we're in Walmart week 40, is that correct? I think we're in 40, we just finished 39, we're in 40. So right now today, if you were to look at your business at a glance and you had selected the yesterday time range, then that would be Tuesday, wait, what, what day are we in? We're Thursday? Jesus. It's Wednesday of Walmart week 40 versus Wednesday of Walmart week 40 last year. Not, not November 1st and November 1st, okay? Um, so it's like my time ranges. Each time range selection that I make is gonna add another line on the summary that you'll see on the next page. Um, and then I would select the little tiny save button in the bottom left corner there. When I do that, you'll see I get then up in that kind of box, I then have something populated there. So for each view that I add, I'll have another line there kind of in that box in the center. Once I'm done, um, I simply go up to the top and select close, which takes me back to this page. I really wish this was not so small and you guys could see a little bit better. So I only have one time range selection um, and I have my sales, so sales this year and last year. And when I say sales, I mean scan sales at retail to Sally Shopper, right? Sally Shopper buys my widget and it's a buck 50. It's all those dollar 50 widgets that Sally Shopper purchased, okay? So sales this year and last year. And then next to that, I have purchases. Purchases are ships at cost from me to Walmart. So um, let's go back, my widget was $3. Let's say that I sell my widget to Walmart as a supplier at $1.50, right? It's all the $1.50 widgets that I as the supplier have shipped to Walmart in that period of time. Purchases are ships at cost. And then I have three profitability metrics. And at the top level, at this high level, the math doesn't work because of blended, blended margins, but the logic holds true. It's, it's very simply, um, what you'll see is it, it's MD percent, MU percent, MD percent, and MM percent. So it's markdown, also known as initial margin, plus or minus your, I'm sorry, markup, plus or minus your markdown will give you your maintained margin. All right, so markup or initial margin is my planned profitability. That's the difference in the $1.50 cost and the $3 retail, right? That's what I anticipate I'm gonna make off the cost of goods when I retail them out the front door to the Sally Shopper. Markdowns are a reduction of profitability. So everybody's item at some point in its life cycle is gonna incur a markdown. That could be because it's on rollback or because it's cheaper across the street, though I've heard a nasty rumor Walmart's not doing price comping anymore. Have you guys seen that? Yeah, um, or because it's on clearance or because it's damaged, right? A markdown is a reduction of profitability and I'll see that come in in that second to the last metric. And what I'm left with after I take the markdowns off of that margin is my maintained margin. So that's what I consider I made off the cost of goods sold after I incurred all of those markdowns. Now at sell-in, your buyer cares about markup or initial margin. They're gonna hammer you, they're gonna not be very lovely sometimes, it can be very painful. After that, it tends to be maintained margin. Now arguably, we don't have a lot of control over a lot of those markdowns, but as it's just kind of life, right? We, um, we're held accountable for that maintained margin as well. Any questions on these metrics? 
No? That's a good question. I will defer to Amanda, circle back with me, okay? Um, so from here, what you can't see is, because I've masked it as my vendor number, which is right above the time range. Um, if you were to hover over the vendor name number, it gives you, um, it will open a new window that looks like this, which is an expanded view. Who's used business at a glance and did not know that they could drill down onto business at a glance? There's a person in here, surely a human being, no? Who uses business at a glance? Really, got little bitty hands, you can be proud. Um, so I'm gonna go through all the metrics here, a lot of them are the same. Um, we have the sales and, and ships and margin and markdown. We also have some inventory measures. Our in stock is here, weeks on hand, turns, and then Jim Roy. So a lot of the metrics that you'll see on your scorecard. I have the ability to push this out to an Excel spreadsheet. So if I want to keep this, save it, share it, manipulate it, or just kind of hold on to it for later, I certainly have the ability to do that. Okay, so country language settings. Who does business in a country other than the United States? One, a, a few of us. So um, if I need to see something that is country specific, let's say the Canadian Supplier Agreement. I'm here to tell you from personal experience that you're not gonna find it unless you're in the Canadian version of Retail Inc. And I spent a lot of time looking for it. So if you need something that's country specific outside of data, um, you'll need to change the country that you're in in Retail Inc. Now, if you know that you do business in that country and one of your, one of your coworkers has that access but you don't, that's a question for your site administrator. They manage those privileges and it's an overnight update process. So in the new view, you have to switch to the classic view in order to change the country language settings. So this is what it looks like in Internet Explorer still? Yes? Okay. Um, and you'll see up a little teeny tiny, kind of towards the very top on the right, there's a little American flag. There's a drop-down box there, which gives me visibility to other countries that I could select. So I would select that, it prompts me to log out, I log back in, and then I can see that Canadian supplier agreement. Um, I'll go back to my, my new view. So. Um, let's talk about the store lists. Uh, I know that we use the store list, yes. Everybody's pulled the store list. Everybody who uses Retailink knows what I'm talking about. Um, I'll show you how to pull it. There are a couple of places to get it. Uh, the one that I teach is here from the Tools drop-down menu, and it's the Store Club DCGLN Lists link. Um, it will prompt me to save it. If it doesn't, you should. It, it pulls down an older version of Excel, and some computers can be kind of cranky. Um, but it looks something like this. So um, here's a list of the tabs that are, that are available. So the listing of all stores um, by address, by format, how big it is, what's the phone number, when did it open, and what is the DC alignment. So regional DC, specialty DC, grocery DC, I think, are the, the three that are available. Um, and, and what you can't see here is like store number six says your beginning meeting. So it's not just, you, you can't go to the very bottom and say there are 4,000 and however many rows there are and that's how many stores we have because there are some other events built in. Walmart builds as stores so that they can issue POs on those stores to suppliers so we can send them goods for things like the your beginning meeting. Um, so some of the other tabs, I have Walmart DC receiving and mailing. Um, and then I have similar information for Sam's Club, both um, club information and then warehouses. I have a list of my comp stores. We all know what comp stores are now. And then Supercenter comp stores, which is just that. It's my comp stores, but only Supercenters. Then I have mer merchandise comp stores. Merchandise comp stores are 13-month stores. So they've been open for 13 months, and that list renews at the beginning of each quarter. 
at the stores by Zone. Who has, uh, who, maybe not anybody, been with us long enough that they forecasted using zones, old and forum forecast zones. It's kind of antiquated and we don't really use it anymore. Um, basically, they have uh, banded the US geographically, I don't remember if it's from north to south or south to the north, into zones to, do, to manage forecasting. So think about a category that might have real, um, have a lot of seasonality like winter coats. The seasonality for winter coats is gonna be very different in Maine than it is in Arkansas, right? So they would use those zones to manage that forecasting process. Uh, and then if, if there can be anything sexy or glamorous or exciting in an Excel workbook, and I geek out over Excel, um, in this particular workbook, it's the last, three, the last three tabs. So I have a listing of stores that have expanded, opened, or relocated in the last 100 days. Um, and in that, in that tab, I can see there's some yes, no fields in my new, this year, last year, expanded this year, last year, what is the date expected? Um, and then the next one is those that are doing so in the next 100 days. And then the very last one, probably the most exciting, would be the future store counts. So I can see by year by month, by format, how many doors they anticipate opening. Uh, this list, this, this particular document has the potential of updating on any given day. Because those last three tabs are date specific, um, I could have a store that's opening tomorrow, and tomorrow that, that whole workbook's gonna be different because now that store has moved to the, oh, I just did it tab. All right, so back to my homepage. If I select, if I click on the date there, um, it opens for me the Walmart calendar. Who speaks fluent Walmart weeks? I swear my kids speak in Walmart weeks. Um, if you need to translate Walmart week because your buyer speaks in Walmart week, right? That rollback happens week 15, the mod drops week 29. Um, by the way, Christmas is week 47. Um, those things, if you need to translate those into actual calendar dates because your internal people obviously do not speak Walmart weeks, then you have the ability to do so here, right? Uh, the, the month and year at the very top are drop-down boxes so that you, you can adjust those uh, that you're seeing if you need to see older or newer data. Okay, so favorites. Um, I have always likened favorites to my junk drawer in my kitchen, right? Who's junk drawer? Junk drawer. I know you guys know what I'm talking about. It's that thing in your kitchen that has scissors and tape and if you're mine, it had some Chick-fil-A sauce in it. Um, so for, it's, but it's that stuff, right? That when you need it, you want it and you want to get to it very quickly. So that's our favorites. Um, and, and you have the ability to put any number of things in your favorites and it's going to divide them out um, into apps and docs. Uh, you'll see that there are three tabs, right? It's your favorites, and then you have an apps and a docs tab, and those correspond with the apps and docs uh, links that I showed you already earlier today. So if I wanna add something to apps or docs, if I'm looking at it in those tabs, uh, or I've searched for it, or however I've managed to get to it, you'll see that there's a little grayed out star next to it. If you select the star, the star becomes yellow, and you've just added it to your junk drawer. Um, that also corresponds with the list at the top. There's also a star there, so if you, if you click on that star, it's a drop-down list of the same favorites. But you can see it from other screens within Retail Link if you're not on your homepage. If I select the I next to any of these apps or docs, it takes me to that landing page for whichever one that is. And I selected Decision Support. Um, so you can see here, it tells me a little bit about the application. Uh, it allows me to launch it. It shows me any applications or documents that are relative to that same app or doc. All right, so let's look at some common tools. Um, OTIF, 
seriously, y'all, it's really not that big of a deal. I know that everybody's knickers in a twist about it, and holy cow, any penny the sky is falling, but there's accountability. And I, I currently, I, I consult with four suppliers, two of which have incurred charges. One of those, um, one, one supplier has not incurred charges, and their OTIF score was 30, what was their OTIF score? Like 38%. But there were no fines because their part of the accountability was met. The part that was not met was Walmart's fault. Um, Donetta, a, a colleague of mine, Donetta and I did a presentation a couple of weeks ago on the, the SPM dashboard, and that will lay out for you what your charges are and why you had them, which POs incurred them. Um, but it's really just breathe. It's, it's really not as bad as everybody wants you to think it is. But if you want to see the scorecard, the link is here. Um, and it looks something like this, only uh, some, some more data. Um, but it, it breaks down for me lots of things. I can see you know, what um, by, by category or by department or um, by, by vendor number what my OTIF score has been. There are a host of links embedded into this page so that you can see by lane where you're messing up or by warehouse or um, the accountability piece, right? You can see what part of it is yours versus not. Now I will say, if you'll see the very, very top of my screen in that blue band where it says OTIF scorecard and then it says something summary, I think, and then PO details, um, there's now one that says, I think it's SPM dashboard. I think that's what it says. But that's where you'll go to see what your actual fines have been um, on a monthly basis. And yay, fun. Those new fines for September just came down just this week, I think. All right. Um, merchandising column definitions. This is an ooh-ah, so please feel free to ooh and ah. Um, if I build a report in decision support, and uh, consider the Excel spreadsheet that comes back, right? And the columns that are going across the top, those values, item number, item description, POS, uh, store count, traded stores, on hand, on order, et cetera, et cetera. All of those values have a definition, right? And there are a couple of places in retailing to, that I can get to those. This is one of them. Um, this is a document, and it's merchandising column definitions. If I select that little link, right there. It will pop up a new window. The window looks blank when you first click on it. You'll see in, in the blue font there are actually the letters of the alphabet. Um, if you'll select any letter of the alphabet, it will show you all of the columns that begin with that letter of the alphabet and how they define them and or how they're calculated. Ooh, ah. Thank you. Thank you for hearing me. Okay, so we're gonna be right on time. Um, Decision support. So decision support, which is where all the cool kids hang out, um, it is, for me, synonymous with retail link. You see a job posting, and the job posting says, must know retail link. Nine times out of 10, they mean decision support. Um, and while there's a lot of it, and it, it can be very daunting, it's really a great data repository. Um, there are a lot of wonderful things you can do with it. There are several companies that help you manage that. Um, several consultants like myself and Donetta that do that. Um, Donetta's actually gonna do a presentation this afternoon that, that walks you through some Excel tips and tricks that will help you manage the data that you get out of decision support. 
Um, so decision support, which is an application, looks kind of like this. Um, you'll see I have some little yellow folders on the left. Those are my template folders. There are three drop-down boxes above that. Um, the first application, uh, the first one's application, and it's new decision support, then countries. Now this is where I can change the country if I want data that's related to a different country, if I have access to that. Um, and the division, so if I want to see Walmart or if I want to see Sam's Club. Here, we're actually, um, I'll walk you through, I did a quick item set, a quick item information, so just attributes. Um, it's something that I pull every week for the clients that I work with. Uh, if you wanna see if your cost has changed, cost is an attribute that is real time. So if I had a price change last year in week 15 and I pull the cost today, um, but my time range was week 15 of last year, it's today's value. Right, so um, I have some, so I have certain queries like this one that I run every week and I just hold on to it so I can go back for the reference purposes. So I selected the template for quick item information. This is what the, the wizard window looks like. You'll see I have, um, it's on columns and on kind of the top left it's a darker, bolder color. So I'll have columns and then I've got items and then submit. Uh, in the columns, that's where I select those things that I want across the top of my Excel spreadsheet. Item number, item description, et cetera, et cetera. The order in which I put them from top to bottom is the order that it's gonna spit them out from left to right, okay? Um, and within all of these little yellow folders are some little yellow folders and some values that I can select. When I select that value in the little yellow folder, it goes over and lives in that big white box on the right. That's, those are the folders that those belong in. Uh, there is a search feature. Who, who has built queries and did not know there was a search feature? I know there's at least one person in here. Anybody? Nobody wants to admit to that? I didn't know that until I started teaching Retail Inc. about eight years ago. Um, so there's this handy dandy little search feature. Because the Easter egg, fun is, is, Easter egg hunt is fun at Easter, but not, not necessarily when you're trying to get something out very quickly for your buyer. So traded store counts ones that's usually very hard to find. Traded store count, which is an inventory, store inventory, store on hand, right? Uh, if you didn't know that and you had to look for it, you can use this search feature, which brings up a little, um, which changes that screen where the yellow folders are so that you can input that information. And then it will show you all of the values that have that particular terminology in them. Here I searched for quantity QTY. If I want to get back to my main list of report columns, I would just do that under the columns heading over here on the very far left. Right? Um, if, so remember the merchandising column definitions thing that I insisted you oon all over? Um, here's another place that you can get that same information. If you right click on any value, like you're going to select it to put it over in the box, but if you right click on it, you'll see on the left, it pops up a little you'll see here. So I right clicked on POS quantity and you'll see on the left hand side it gives me that same definition that I found in the merchandising column definitions. So on the fly, if you see a value and wonder if it's good for you, you can right click on that. Some of them don't have, um, don't have definitions, but the vast majority do. Okay, so then I tell the system what items I want, and there are a thousand million ways that I, can, that I can filter down my items. More often than not, I want all items. I can do that by selecting the department, or my vendor number, or in, my, my favorite go-to is selecting fine line. 
Um, every item's in a fine line, and every fine line has a numerical value greater than zero. So um, if I go into the filters in items and say fine line is greater than four zeros, then by default, I'm casting the very broadest net possible, and I'm telling the system I want everything that I have visibility to, everything I've been given access to in retelling. So I, I, that's my catch-all. Got my little red arrows. Ultimately, I want to get to the Submit tab. Um, title your query. It's probably my biggest pet peeve. Uh, is those don't, just title your query. That should be your first habit. Not only that, but title your query and then select the Excel 7 option. If you're not selecting the Excel 7 option, you're doing yourself a disservice. Um, the other version of Excel has like 64,000 rows of data, which is arguably a crap ton of data. Um, but there's sometimes when I need data bigger than that. Uh, on a weekly basis, I pull queries that are 200, 300, 400,000 rows of data. And if I'm not using Excel 7, then it Cartesians, and then it's truncated, and it's a horrible thing. Um, so if you use Excel 7, you have up to a million rows of data visibility, which God help us if we're using that much data. Then we need to call somebody like a RSI. Um, so Excel 7, and then I want to, in, in my classes when I'm teaching retelling, I, I want my students to always save. I don't want you to always save, okay? Because we save our templates in the My Reports section of the main decision support screen we were just in. And if you save everything you ever run, you're going to have more stuff to look through than you really care to. Right? So I save things that I'm going to run on a, on a weekly basis that I have scheduled. And then I also save queries that I know that I'm going to use again, but I may just want to manipulate. So like an SSI script, right? Or my warehouse, my warehouse queries. I might not look at those every week, but I have it saved, and if I want to look at a different warehouse, I just go in and modify that query. Um, so I don't recommend you always save unless you happen to come to one of my classes, and then you have to. Um, and then I want to um, run now. So run now is right next to where you title your query, and that actually submits it. And you'll see at the bottom, I get this query submitted job ID number, um, which is your confirmation that it just happened. Good job, you submitted your first query. Um, that view status button will change the bottom half of your screen into the status screen. There are three, I may be wrong, I think they've added another one. There are at least three places that I can get to the status of a query. So the bottom from any query window, there's a status link on the main decision support page, and then there's a status panel on your home page. Your query has to be in done status to retrieve it. It can be in done status or it can be in retrieved status, um, but anything else, it's not gonna allow you to come back and see that data. Now, you could get, how are we doing on time? Almost, we won't do the, the last one. Um, you can get user error. I get user error on a regular basis. You get formatter error, which usually just means you ask for too much data. If you'll kind of, if you'll filter your, your query down and resubmit it, that usually works. Um, system error is retelling, um, not being very cooperative. Um, queries will stay in done status for 10 days. So after 10 days, the system will purge those done queries out. Uh, they will stay in re retrieve status for today. And here's why that's important to you. Um, if you're a bit of a procrastinator and you're running something and it's late at night and you don't save everything you do and you didn't pull the data you thought you wanted on a weekly basis um, and you need to go back in and you're just gonna modify that retrieved query, the system purges retrieved queries Every, every evening, and it starts at about 5.30 Central Standard Time, and it's not a one-time purge. It's ongoing. That thing happens all night long, right? So food for thought, something to be cognizant of. So my query is in done status. I want to retrieve it. 
I do that by either clicking on the word done, by the report name, or that little check mark box next to it, and I select the um, retrieve button. And voila, I have a report that looks like this. Again, we want to say thank you to Rochelle and all of you for joining us for today's podcast. For more information, visit our website, supplier.community. You've been listening to another episode of the Supplier Community Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. To get in touch with us, any of our experts, or to be featured as a supplier community expert, reach out to amanda at supplier.community.